Welcome back to Restless. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined myself and Lauren Carmelina and Paul as together we navigate this crazy mixed up world using the light of faith as our guide. You know, today is a great day in the life of the church. We are celebrating one of the greatest feasts, St. Joseph, who I am particularly partial to being named after him. And also, of course, this is the year of St. Joseph, and St. Joseph is such a great example for the whole church. In fact, do you know, let's a quick quiz, quiz for you. Do you know some of the things that St. Joseph's patron of? Happy death. Yeah, happy death. That's one of them. He died in the arms of Jesus and Mary. Can't get happier than that. Finding a spouse? That's a good question. Maybe. I think so. I think so. so. I've, heard, I've heard that. Selling your house. Selling your house. Some people yes. do bury that bury statue, statue upside down. I'm not really sure. It must be uh, maybe carpenters or woodworkers, something like that. Probably, yeah. yeah probably. Yeah. He's definitely the patron of the Universal Church. He's mm. named that, so that's pretty powerful. He's also, I think, in a special way, the patron of men. You know, because men kind of look to him as what it means to be a man. And that's kind of our topic today is we need men to follow in the footsteps of St. Joseph. And what does that look like? And why is our culture have a lot of guys, but not a lot of men out there? You know, men who really kind of live what it means to be a man. So first, like, what, is it, what does our society say today that a man is? So I, when I was thinking about this question, I actually thought about a lot of sitcoms and what a lot of uh, TV shows portray men as in the past 20 to 30 years. Um, and most of the time, it's a dumb, insensitive, probably funny or goofy, maybe goofy, not funny, um, person who goes to work and comes home and isn't responsive, isn't very good at being responsive to his wife or children and watches football on Sundays and drinks too much beer. Yeah, Homer Simpson. Something like that. In a word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and likes donuts, if you're Homer Simpson. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it, it started in, I would say, probably late 80s, 90s. And um, it's such a clash from what we saw as the the father figures that were represented in older TV shows in the 50s and 60s, where they were stoic and responsible and caring and um, wise. Virtuous, wise and virtuous people. Always, father knows best. That's right. Fathers knows best. Good show. Yeah, that's certainly true. What do you guys see as society's view on manhood, being from the the fairer sex? When I was thinking about this question, I, I kind of took it as what is society saying that a man should be? And it's almost like this kind of degradation of of their gender in in general, right? It's this kind of, you know, down with the patriarchy sort of mentality where, you know, even if men would want to be like, want to give into their nature of being firm and strong and ambitious and virtuous um, and bold, even they're almost afraid to because of the backlash they might receive. So um, I think indirectly society is almost saying that a man should be fearful, fearful of, of who they almost want to be and who I think their identity is telling them that, that they want that they want to be, but almost can't in a way. I think that's a great insight. Yeah, we'll definitely come back to that. That's, a, that's an awesome thought. I was thinking about this in a few different ways. Um, for young men, maybe 20s and 30s, I think there's this expectation that they're sleeping around 
right? It's kind of like this status thing um, to rack up, the, you know, the number of women they're with. And then it can also spill over into um, not caring so much about their relationships, right? Like not committing, being too cool for that, kind of being a jerk to women because somehow women respond to that. Maybe there is some truth to that. I don't know. It's something I hear a lot. So that's one thing I think that society propels forward, you know, for men. Um, it's something that they maybe aspire to be. I don't know. Um, and then more recently, we're kind of seeing this diminishing roles between men and women because women can be equal than men, right, is where that's coming from. So it's like tearing down what it means to be a man is. And we're hearing a lot more about toxic masculinity, right, mm, which yeah. is, you know, very negative when it exists. But I don't know. Are we kind of going too far with that now where it's like men I think, can't I think even that just that be themselves? Yeah, I think that the problem with the toxic masculinity argument is that the things that make men men are those things that the the woke people are saying is toxic. You know, when we're because when you think about men and the way they relate to other men, there's always this this just understanding, and I think it's faded, but there's always this understanding that there could be a, a a potential, even if it's really deep, there could be a potential for physical altercation when men are going at one another, right? Or something like that. Or it could be that now it's more of the way we, it's not physical, but it's something that it's, 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 that's, that's the way men, that's the way men uh, are with one another. And when you have, you know, when you have a lot of uh, situations in society where women have been introduced into that, I can see where that doesn't really fly when you have a woman in that particular situation because they're different, right? I can um, only say for myself, you know, one of the best memories of my growing up was being in Boy Scouts. Mm. And I loved it. And it's just, you know, the fraternity among the guys. And yeah, I mean, we were, we took things to the extreme and did ridiculous stunts and stuff. But now that they're trying to make it in some troops, it's, it's co-ed. I think that would have completely changed the dynamic. Oh, completely. And, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's true when, when you, when like, I, I know my brother and I grew up and we were absolute terrors. I mean, we would fight all the time and he was a lot bigger than me and it didn't matter. We would still fight and we'd argue and the dinner table would just be this nonstop argument and screaming sometimes just because it's what we did. But I think that's what people call toxic masculinity and then and i would agree that that's actually not a good way it's, it's to not relate good, but it's 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 but it but you learn from that though right because you 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 do that as a, as a kid so that it doesn't it doesn't perpetuate into adulthood because you learn how to channel it into a positive way as opposed to a negative way and i think that that's what you know i think for a lot of kids that's what we're missing we're missing those role models and yeah right it's reminding me of the book that we were discussing earlier that I actually read wild at heart, you know, you talk about the desire of a man's heart and correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't read it in a while, but just to be adventurous and to explore the unknown and to take these, these risks. And there's, I mean, in my perception, there almost seems to be this, this fear of those very risks, which would almost give the man the satisfaction of his own identity as a man. Um, and, there's this this fear almost that's eluding from them. You know, I see it just in growing up, especially going to a very secular college, growing up in a very secular public school where um, there's this fear of commitment, fear of 
responsibility, fear of emotion. Mm. And I, I think that that's almost adverse to how, you know, I know we're going to talk about St. Joseph, but St. Joseph would have been. There's, there is no fear, right, in general. You know, we're not taught to fear, but there's like <laughs> this adversion to, to, I think, things that are very fundamental to not only being human and being man, but also things that are fundamental to having like a core family unit at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I and I think, I think when, when we talk about like men, I think it's okay to like, a, a, a fear is a natural emotion that we do have. I but mean, giving into it. Yeah, I think it's, well, giving it, not necessarily giving into it, um, but having the fear is, is, is normal and it protects you, right? And I think the problem now is, is that they're protecting themselves instead of confronting the fear and trying to figure right. out how to work. It's, it's a, it's, it's backing off from it. Right. Um, it's almost like culturally acceptable to just not want to be committed. Like Lauren was saying earlier, like this sort of elusive relationship thing. And then, you know, the side effect of that is it's also wounding to women. So then you have women who are wounded by men who are then, I think sometimes that comes out as anger from women towards men. And yeah. that could perpetuate um, the already existing flawed behavior in said man right and especially when you have these situations where um where you could see like what we were um talking about before was is that if if this is this type of situation and men are told that they can't act as though as as, as they naturally would act you know maybe in a tamed way or something like that then i could see that that why society might say like well that's toxic masculinity then right, right? because they're you have this new setting i think the word we're all looking for is strength Mm, you know, mm -hmm. because and and I love that book Wild at Heart too, and I think that's one great insight of John Eldridge, the author, who says that you know men and women mirror God in different ways, and women are the perfect incarnation of God's beauty. Mm -hmm. They reveal God's beauty, His tenderness to the world, and that's a, that's an element of God that is necessary in this world. Men then are in the image and likeness of God's strength, His ability to come through, and strength, of course, can be used for good or ill, right? And he uses the analogy of, of a knife. You know, a knife can kill someone or can save your life if you're a surgeon and trying to operate on someone's heart. And the, the key of taking something that is intrinsically dangerous, like a knife or a man, is to put it in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing, mm -hmm. right? If a doctor has a knife, you're gonna, your life is, is safe. You know, if, if God has a man, then your life is safe because his strength is gonna be, as you said, Paul, channeled in the right direction. Mm. It's not just going to be a strength that's just wild. And part of that, as you guys call it, all alluding to, is um, the difference. I think the difference between a boy and a man is a man has responsibility for something other than himself. Mm -hmm. You know, right. that's, that's one of the core characteristics of a man is he takes responsibility, not just for himself, but for a wife, for a family, for if, as a priest, you know, as a, for a parish, that we have to have something bigger to live for. Mm -hmm. And it's that strength that we live out of. And you're just making me think of lots of men who seem to not be like moving along with their life. They like live this young adult period into their 20s and 30s where maybe they're working, maybe they're not, you know, maybe in a relationship, maybe not, right? Easily just having casual... Kind of floating. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. Not advancing themselves, not becoming anything more, you know, not using God's gifts, not being responsible for others, not helping others. It's just becoming like more and more common, right? yeah. I'm feeling. He's got all this strength, but he doesn't know what to do with it. Or he does, he just doesn't have the courage to do it. That's possible too. 
I think that another issue, with, especially with young people, as we talk about, you know, boys, um, not the band, but boys <laughs> becoming boys men. men. <laughs> boys to men, right? Um, not, not that, but, you know, I think that there's, there's a because of this, and it's gone on for such a long period of time now, that we're, we're losing a lot of the male role models in society. And then you go and wonder, and you see all these young men who are completely lost. They may not have a good father figure themselves or somebody they can look up to. And they fall into this deep depression because they don't have that, they don't have that that role model to say like, okay, pick up your life and and become responsible and start putting your life together. They don't have that person there to tell them that. Um, and that's where people like Jordan Peterson have come along and they've they've said that they've said, okay, this is how you're going to do it, and you have to take responsibility, and that's how you're going to find meaning in your life, and um, and that's why a lot of a lot of young men have looked up to him um, because that that's just missing in society. Have you guys had good male role models in your life, whether your father or grandfather or somebody else? I have, absolutely. I have had between priests and my own father and trainers, uncles, I have just been so blessed with wonderful examples of men in my life who have had very different strengths, have very different families, but have taught me so much. Um, and they've all seen me as their daughter. And it's just a really beautiful blessing that I know is unique and I'm deeply thankful for that. That is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could say the same for sure. My dad, it's great dad, my grandpa, Joe, my other grandpa, George, I've been waiting to meet my whole life, you know, hopefully in heaven one day, uh, but plenty of uncles as well. And then I could also say, uh, it's been such a gift to me to get to know priests over the last few years, father Joseph, you, you know, my friend, father Andy, father Connaughton, I never had a personal relationship with priests growing up, even though I was an altar server for five years, and I thought that might do it, but it didn't, you know, the priest never knew me. That's okay. Um, but yeah, now just knowing, I mean, you, Father Joseph, you're just an excellent example. I'm constantly impressed with everything that you're doing, how many people you help, how many people you serve, your wisdom, how insightful you are, and how fun you are to be around, you know, like you're a normal guy. We try to have good times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we do have good times. Yeah, I don't even know what I used to think or imagine what our priests actually like. I didn't know they were just up on the altar, but they're great people to know. So I feel blessed. But I think that's another area that you know we need manly men in the church. You know, not only husbands and fathers, but also priests and bishops who are courageous and willing to speak truth, willing to be strong in their own faith and their own walk with Christ, because. Yeah, the world needs people to look up to, people who can mentor them. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'll I'll say that my dad, I mean, he's like he's 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 my role model and I like if I could live up to half of what he is, then I'm doing a pretty good job. I mean, he's he's also like my good friend. I mean, we just I just have like a phenomenal dad. And I, I it's taken I always knew that, but it's really come to be quite clear over the past like 5 to 10 years. Um and talk about like laying down his life for his family. I mean, he, he has, I mean, he didn't go to war or anything, but just the way he conducted himself, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really special. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then just on the one, one question, um, what you just mentioned, Father, about courageous priests and bishops. I mean, a lot of us out there, we, you know, we read and we probably have to be, uh, uh, uh you know, kind of restrictive in your comments potentially, but we read what comes out of, you know, the USCCB and what comes out of not our diocese, but other dioceses around the country. And you just kind of like, I just find myself rolling my eyes a lot at these, you know, groups of men that are making press releases and creating headlines. I just, is that, 
I mean, is it part of it? Is it part of the 90s sitcom trend? It's just crisis of masculinity. Yeah. You know, at, at every level in our society. You yeah. Know? It's just a shame that it's it's in the church sometimes too. Not not obviously not everybody. I don't even think it's the majority, but it seems like there is a there is a line of it that's eye rolling. Yeah. Well, thankfully we do have a good model in St. Joseph. So when we come back from break, we're going to talk about St. Joseph and his example to all of us. Stay tuned. Hey, did you know you can take Veritas Catholic Network with you wherever you go? All you have to do is download the Veritas Catholic Network app. Then you can listen to the live broadcast 24 hours a day. You can also grab podcasts of our original shows like Let Me Be Frank and Restless and much more right at your fingertips and on your phone. Download the Veritas Catholic Network app today at the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store or visit www.veritascatholic.com. And welcome back to Restless. We've been seeking what real authentic manhood is in this Feast of St. Joseph. And we talked about how kind of society kind of trying to de- tries to denigrate manhood sometimes and tries to neutralize the strength, the natural strength that God gave them, the strength that's meant for service, for protecting, for providing. And thankfully, we do have this great example spiritually from St. Joseph. You know, what do you know about the life of St. Joseph? How, has he ever been a part of your life? I, Lauren, you're doing the, the um, consecration, right, St. Joseph? I intend to start it today. Perfect. So Perfect. I, I ordered the book. This was another thing from my spiritual director. Thank you, Sister Antonia. She was pushing me, actually, for months, and I did say, why do I have to do this? I mean, I was a little confused. Like, I did the consecration to Mary, and again, it's to Jesus through Mary. So everything is about getting closer to Jesus, but we can go to Mary and Joseph. Um and she kind of prodded me along, and it, it was funny. Like, she mentioned it, and then my aunt happened to send me this little, like, magazine, I think from the Marian Fathers, and there's St. Joseph on the cover. Not surprising, it's the year of St. Joseph, but I'm like, oh, it's St. Joseph again. And here, even at uh, Veritas Catholic Network, they have the St. Joseph Society, and we got little cards for volunteering. So St. Joseph's kind of been following me around, and so I, I imagine there's some spiritual benefit uh of course for doing the consecration but maybe some graces waiting for me so awesome i'll get that awesome. going yeah i got the book i was skyping sister antonia and i showed her like the width of the book i was like it's thick <laughs> because <laughs> the marian consecration is so thin 33 days morning glory so i don't know i'll let you guys know how that goes please do because honestly i've heard a lot of people doing it i don't know carmelina or paul did you guys do it no i haven't mm-hmm. done it i've heard a lot of people doing it and it amazes me that they can have 33 days of consecration for a man that never said a single word mm-hmm. in the scriptures I mean, yeah. what is it about saint joseph who even though he didn't speak is an inspiration to millions i think part of it is the importance of meditating especially now as we reflect on christ's um passion and death during lent it's so important to also reflect on Christ's family life as well. And St. Joseph has played a huge role in that. And we were actually talking about it at our, our one Bible study. But when you really meditate on, you know, the familial life of Christ and St. Joseph, we realize how much they suffered and how incredibly obedient St. Joseph would have had to have been with what we know to be having very little support. I mean loving Mary unconditionally um, when she was pregnant before they were married and accepting her 
wholeheartedly because that was the will of God. I mean, what courage, what faithfulness, like what surrender to God's will? Mm. How could we not look to him? And honestly, during COVID, I think I've been praying to him more than I ever have just to, you know, just for the courage to seek God's will and to follow that and be obedient as he was just continuously, not just one time, but when he, you know, married Mary, and then they had to flee to Egypt. All of these different moments where St. Joseph just, without question, laid down his life to protect his family um, is just mind-blowing and incredible. And, you know, you look at the example of men in Scripture, and most men question God. Mm. You know, I mean, Abraham and, and, and David questions God. All these men, you know, oh, as think, even in the Gospels, you know, Zechariah, who gets a message from an angel, you're gonna be the father of the John the Baptist. Well, how's that gonna happen? I don't know about that, <laughs> right. you know? And and something Paul said on the way up here struck me. He said, you know, men are more action-oriented than word-oriented. And St. Mm-hmm. Joseph's a perfect example. And that's why I think he has no words because as an example of manhood, he's just like, all right, the angel said, let's go, let's go. Absolutely. I'm not gonna argue, I'm not gonna complain, I'm not gonna doubt, I'm just gonna go. Yeah, and I just, we were talking about fear before, but like think about the fear that must have, he must, you know, he must have had, and then to, to act in that way um, without questioning is just is something remarkable. It is. Um, and something that, you know, as a man, I look up to um, every day. Yeah, for me, one of the things that, I, you know, of course, I'm named after St. Joseph and, and also my grandfather, Joseph. But one of the things that my dad taught me that I think goes dovetails well with St. Joseph is that a man works. And a man works hard for the people he loves, you know. And I mean, being a carpenter is a difficult job. Mm. You know, I mean, you're, this is before, of course, like laser saws and everything. So he's, <laughs> he's doing everything by hand, building tables, building chairs, whatever. And that's got to be exhausting, you know, and, but day in, day out, because of love, you work. You know, that for me, that's always been an inspiring thing. And, and my dad is a big carpenter himself. He, he builds a lot of things. He, he's built additions onto our house and decks and things. And he's tried to teach me how to build. And it doesn't really end up like, straight right angle or anything but <laughs> but he did teach me how to work and that that was something i got a lot from my dad which i think really mirrors saint joseph another reason to go to the holy land is because in nazareth mm-hmm. there's the beautiful church of the annunciation which is all for mary and there's pictures of mary you know kind of from every part of the world or large paintings of her all around the outside but then right up from that is saint joseph's church and beneath the church um there's kind of like a stone room kind of where a carpenter could have worked. Everything's stone there. Um, and there's beautiful portraits on the wall of like Jesus as a small child and being taught, you know, um, from St. Joseph. I mean, it, he taught him carpentry, of course, but he also taught him all the Jewish prayers because that's something that the father would have done. Mm. So it just brings um, a new insight to their relationship if you go there. Awesome. So I recommend it. I'll have to go. That's interesting. You do have to go. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's also, um, you know, when you get to, they say that, um, I think it was St. Jerome who said the Holy Land's the fifth gospel. Am I right about that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think it's, when you go there, you get a sense of how, when you think about St. Joseph and trying to picture what was going on at the time, how tight-knit this community was. I mean, it's like a hundred yards, right, Lauren, between mm-hmm. St. Joseph's house and the Church Annunciation, which was Mary's house. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are really tight-knit communities. Um, and so you have to think that he was probably the being a father figure to, to Jesus, but also 
probably to other people in the area, he was also showing that example. So he was probably being the example we think of him as even then, just when you think about how small that area was and, and how virtuous he, he was. I think that's another great aspect of St. Joseph, you know, is, is the fact that of being a, f- a father, because every man is called to be a father, whether they have biological children or not, right? Because sometimes it's a spiritual relationship. Sometimes, as you mentioned, it's, it could be in a community mm. that maybe it's your coach who's the father figure. Maybe it's your, your teacher who's your father figure. And, and so any man that's listening to this, you have a, you have a family. You have to be a father. That's what it means. It's not something that you do. It's something you are as a man. I think St. Joseph's a great example of that because this was not his biological child. You know, and he right. still loved this child as if it were and mentored him and taught him, taught him how to pray. He taught God how to pray. <laughs> like, that's amazing when you think about it. Like, wow. No, it's so true. And unfortunately, where society is gone is there's a total absence of fathers, right? Like if you look in the black community, I believe now it's up to over 70% of black children are born to single mother homes yeah which is devastating and uh, who's being held accountable right society isn't you know i I think demanding that we turn this around and get our families back even though we're seeing this crisis with the children right no role models as we've said um not finishing schooling right getting into drug addiction all sorts of bad things that you know are propelled as cool (laughs) But not leading people to virtue, not leading people to God, not leading people to live out who they're truly meant to be, as you're saying, right? Well, that's the society's view is that fathers are dispensable. You know, they're not necessary. I think, of course, as Catholics, we would all disagree. Because it says in Scripture that all fatherhood comes from God's fatherhood. You know, we we, uh, had a, a youth group night this past Friday for our middle school youth group about um, just about men and women, boys and girls, as we separated the boys and the girls. And we interviewed, we just you know, had a show of hands at the beginning with the boys and said, how many of you would say that your mother is the spiritual leader of your home? And every single hand went up. And I was actually taken aback because it was from like good families, families who both parents went to mass and everything. But it showed me like, wow, the fathers really need to step up their game. Because none of these kids think that the father is the spiritual leader of the house. And part of that may be because the mother is probably more vocal maybe about it. The father may keep his faith a little bit more interior, but still, you know, the kids need to know that the dad has a faith in Christ that motivates him to be a good father. So it's being about that relationship then between men and women. I mean, of course, you know, our society says that there is no difference between men and women, but I mean, are men more powerful than women? Are they more strong than women? Are there is, what is the difference other than biology uh, between men and women? Well, I think, you know, men and women are different in nature, right? As designed by God. Society is saying that's not true anymore, right? We can pick our own gender, but it's just not true. Like biology is what's true and, and God's design of us. But although we're different, we're equal in value, right? And we're made to complement each other. And I can think of so many times, you know, like being with a man and I'm like, what are you thinking? You know, it's like their brain works differently than my brain does. <laughs> and I find it to yeah. be so frustrating at times, right? But there's this complementarity and I feel like it's just natural. We can all observe it, right? And yet, you know, now society is like, no, there's no difference between us. I had a woman once ask me, what are you thinking about? 
And I said, nothing. The she's number like, of guys oh. that have said she's that to me. She's like, wait, what? I'm like, no, like, I mean, guys sometimes just think about nothing. Like, Never yeah, well, most how of the is time, that possible? <laughs> how does your brain not form thoughts? No. So I think that it's like, it's just usually because, so when I, when I, when I, if I were to be asked about that, if I'm doing something, I'm not, because we're, again, we're action oriented. It's we're doing something and that's what we're not thinking about. It, we're doing so we're not we're not thinking about we're not thinking about thinking about it. We're just doing it. Obviously, our brains are processing information. There's neurons firing, but it's just different. And I would say that. Uh, so I think that the one of the things that's different about this is just a, a very base level. But like men are generally oriented toward things and actions. Let's say it's similar. And and women are more oriented toward people. Um, and relationships. And relationships, right? Words, right? And um, and I think that 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 causes, I mean, that causes a lot of friction, but again, it's that complementarity that you were talking about, which creates, um, that, uh, that creates those relationships. And I think as a society, as we were talking about is, is it's taking men and saying, well, no, you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be thing oriented. You should in action oriented. You should be more emotional and more, you know, more feminine in that sense. And, um, and I don't think that that's, it's good to be in touch with your emotions to use that cliche, but you know, we're, we're meant to be action oriented like we can't we can't let those things get in our way sometimes because we have to be protectors and providers um and that's what we're here for yeah and there's a good reason why god made men you know a little bit more detached from their emotions because sometimes men have to do really difficult things yeah i mean i would say that my emotions i'm just usually just like content like i'm not happy or sad i'm just content i don't know yeah that's just, just the way it is. I would agree. <laughs> and you can see the face that's coming out of Carmelina. <laughs> I just doesn't understand at all. <laughs> what no. are you feeling right now? Nothing. But that's why it's the, that beautiful complementarity. Because yeah. a world with only men would stink. Like literally, it would smell bad. <laughs> like it would be really gross, right? Yeah. But a world with only women would also stink. You know, it'd be, it'd be a terrible in a different sense, mm. you know? So it's a beautiful thing to have both. And But the key is... To, rest, to respect the differences of both and to find where the strengths are, you know? I love the, you ever seen that, you ever seen uh, Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. uh, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe? Yeah. One of my favorite scenes, or if you've read the book, you know, one of the fa- my favorite scenes is at the very end and, and uh, Lucy's watching Aslan walk away on the beach and uh, Mr. Tumnus comes up and says, you know, he's not a safe lion. And, and Lucy says, no, but he's good. That's true, you know, a man is not a safe thing, mm-hmm. but if he's good, then it doesn't matter if he's safe, Absolutely. right? Because he'll use his strength for service and for laying down his life. And it's a different way of well, and, and saying I think, things. And I think that's the virtue of, of meekness, right? It's the ability to wield tremendous power, but the, the, the prudence to know the difference. Yeah, meekness is not being walked on like a doormat. It's right. having strength and knowing when to use it, right. knowing how to use it. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. My challenge for you, for you men who are listening, is to not be afraid to be a man, to live out of your strength, a strength that is surrendered to God, because it's not our strength that we live out of. It's really Christ's strength living in us. And for you ladies, you know, pray for the men in your life. Uh, encourage them to be real men, to use their strength to serve others. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Radio, 1350 AM. You can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. God bless. God bless.